AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Florida in the house tonight. Jonathan Zaslow filling in tonight for Ian Fitzsimmons here on Amber and Ian. Amber and Ian's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Tune into NBA action tomorrow night as the Knicks, they host the Celtics. That is presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. So Zaslow. Today, as I get into lawyer mode here, which is your favorite. Oh, you're today, so excited. There was a big ruling, and I did not plan for this, okay, to be able to talk like a lawyer on the radio tonight multiple times. If you missed anything here, by the way, on Amber and Ian, go check out the podcast on the ESPN app. You will not want to miss it. It's been a glorious show. But today we got a really important decision. And yes, it's a temporary injunction, but it's an important decision that a Tennessee court just made because a listen federal to these, judge I mean, listen Tennessee- to these words, injunction, federal judge, rulings. Before you get into it, I want to know, I want to know the scene in the Wilson Manor tonight when the word came, ac- it came across the wire and we, we see the headline. I mean, did you and your lawyer husband, are you running around the house yelling at each other to try and get together now? You're pouring yeah. glasses of wine maybe around the island in the kitchen. I, I mean, it's and almost sexy time, you know? That's I'm like, right. Yeah, I have a show to do. You know, that's we can't right. get down to business yet. He's like, okay, but this injunction, it's, it's, a big, it's a big deal. It could signal the end of the NCAA. And I said, I know. I want to sit down and bedroom pillow talk uh, this yep. whole decision. But we can't yet. We have to wait. I mean, this is a so romantic evening in the Wilson in- Manor to, to talk about on, this. I came on here to do it with you instead. So, so here you know we are. what? Here's- I want to spend it with Zaslow and explain it to him like he's a five-year-old because he doesn't <laughs> understand any of this stuff. So here is my lawyer pillow talk. A federal judge in Tennessee granted a preliminary injunction that prohibits the NCAA from punishing athletes or boosters for negotiating NIL deals during the recruitment process or while they're in the transfer portal. So basically, there was a bar that the NCAA had on kids being able to actually sign NIL deals while they were being recruited by schools or while they were in the transfer portal and considering where to transfer. Now, it didn't actually prohibit them from having conversations that were vague and getting information about what their market worth might be, right, in a hypothetical scenario. And so it wasn't really stopping anything at the end of the yeah, day. I mean, Amber, like so many well, things with the NCAA. Like it was we're stopping we- things being done above board. Well, were we to actually believe that up until right now, kids were committing to schools without actually knowing if they were going to get a specific NIL deal? Right. Well, so that is one of the things that the NCAA was arguing was we have this rule because we want student athletes to make the decision on where they go to school based on academics. We don't want them to be doing it based on money. The reality is... And the court system seems to agree that the kids are going to do it based on money either way. And you can't stop them from doing that. This prohibition on that was ridiculous. Yes, of course, these student athletes were already surveying the market. 
They were absolutely having those conversations. We knew even the conversations that were banned were happening because we've seen schools get in trouble for this. And, I, you know, we, had, we saw it in, in the state of Florida. We saw it with Florida State recently with a, a representative of the Booster Collective and then having conversations with, with a, a, a recruit. And, mm-hmm. and Florida State gets in trouble for the whole thing. There's been a lot of that. And CAA is not going to be able to do that anymore. But what's more interesting about this without being too nerdball lawyer on you, what's more interesting about this is the macro perspective, because this is just a preliminary injunction, but what it means. So yeah, what does that mean? Preliminary injunction? Like what's the timeline on that then? It, it means during essentially during the pendency of the proceedings, probably. So this court case like is so going on. So many big words that I don't so, understand. <laughs> all right. So why this law? Lo- while while this case is happening, like right right while this lawsuit is is continuing forth, if you will, Jonathan Zaslow, this injunction is going to be in place, and a judge doesn't do that unless a judge feels like there is pretty strong evidence that the eventual ruling will be that these rules are antitrust violations. Okay. This is a signal that probably the NCAA will eventually lose this case if it ends up going forth, right? But it, we aren't, we're not there yet because you have a whole process to get there. And of course, things could change. But right now, where the judge sits, which the judge's information, that's where the judge is at right now. Are we where waiting the judge, for... He or a... she believes are, that are an injunction f- is necessary. Are we waiting on a judge to rule with prejudice? Oh, stop. Or without prejudice, you have no idea. Uh, but here's the thing, from the macro perspective, if you will, with me for a minute. It's another blow to the NCAA, where it's very obvious another court seems to be leaning towards ruling against the NCAA. And we have seen this now time and time and time over the last few years. And what it has all done is it's like the NCAA has this wall built brick by brick around it. And it's collapsing brick by brick by brick by brick with all these court rulings. And we are down to a point where the NCAA is basically going to be rendered powerless. It feels like all of these antitrust lawsuits against the NCAA are not going to go in the favor of the NCAA. We're seeing a trend there. It feels like the way that the NCAA has been operating all of these years, the court system feels pretty strongly is in fact antitrust violations. And so this could signal the end of the NCAA because this was sort of one of the only last real powers that the NCAA had was to try to control this thing. Now it's going to be even more of the wild, wild west out there than it already is in terms of... Okay, so when you say something... When you say something that sounds very sensationalistic, like Mm -hmm. this could mean the end of the NCAA. Sensational would be. That is very much a word. It wouldn't be in my vocabulary if it wasn't a real word, all right? I'm not making things up on the fly here. It's obviously a word. It was at least word adjacent. Obviously a word. Everybody (laughs) knows what I meant. Everybody understood the word that came out of my mouth. That makes it a real word. But like I was saying, if you're saying that the NCAA, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cease to exist, what does that exactly mean? Does that just mean that the NCAA is not going to have any power? They're not going to have any, I guess, jurisdiction? Is that what that means? Power and money, right? Because all these lawsuits, all the, all the fees that they're paying, all the attorney's fees, everything that's happening to them, it's certainly going to render them powerless and, and, and hit them all where it hurts. And yes, I think you could see a world eventually where the NCAA itself as a unifying body no longer exists. And what does that do? Does that 
enter the super conference or the mega conference? Does that put the commissioner of the SEC in charge of college football? If all of a sudden the schools start trending that direction, are the schools and the conferences themselves going to have to take over the process since there will be no unifying body with the NCAA? These are the kinds of conversations that we've been hearing now for the last few years. And with every one of these court rulings, we get closer towards that. So what has happened is a lot of these schools and the NCAA itself has now tried to go to Congress to get Congress involved because that's really the last-ditch effort of the NCAA. Hey, I need you to circumvent some of these antitrust rules, and I need you to allow us to be able to operate. The problem is Congress isn't moving real fast, right? It's not really something that's going to happen right now. And these court rulings are moving quite fast. And NIL is moving very fast. And the transfer portal is moving very, very fast. And the way that the landscape of college football is changing is moving at lightning speed. So everyone's sort of navigating how to deal with it. And it absolutely has everything to do also with the Nick Sabans of the world retiring because it has changed the game so much. It certainly benefits the student athletes in a lot of ways. There are some ways that... It's not a benefit to the student athlete that I don't think people realize because there's no regulations to protect them either. So it's good that they can sign deals now while they're being recruited NIL deals, because then you actually have to put your money where your mouth is and sign it to paper, right? Because before it was just these empty promises to athletes. And so that was the problem. And so I agree with this injunction. However, in this whole world where it's all offers and recruiting and we're just throwing money all over the place and there's booster collectives. And also all sorts of other people offering these student athletes money. There's no regulation for their protection either. In other words, with the NFL, we have things like you have to be a certified NFL agent, right? You can't just be any schmo off the street. You have to actually get certified to represent NFL players. There's none of that with NCAA student athletes. There's none of that. So there's nothing to protect them. They have people coming out of the woodworks as agents and managers, and they can be Mary, Mo, and Molly, and well, there's nothing that says they won't get taken advantage of. Different states have different laws. Some states protect students where they can't sign contracts beyond their tenureship at the school, but you're also seeing that be a big problem with all these transfers. You sign a deal, an NIL deal for four years, and you're trying to leave after a year, and now you're getting sued by the people that you signed the NIL deal with. This is a real things happening in the real world that affects student athletes negatively as well. Okay, it feels like, so my main thing now is it feels like why wouldn't every player not enter the transfer portal every single season to see if they can make more money somewhere else? But, but isn't the answer to that then, these NIL deals that they sign are essentially multi-year agreements? Depending on the state, depending who the deal is signed with depending how it holds up, depending if it, if it still holds up. beyond Because the what transfer? if the business or the guy that, that gives the NIL money, his, his company or whatever it is, he clearly loves that school, wouldn't it be in everyone's best interest, and not necessarily the student, but everyone else's best interest then to lock it in for multiple years? Right, it would be. But also, if you're, it, and this is happening on the other side as well, there's a lack of protection on the other side as well. You're the company trying to pay the student, the student then leaves or the student never comes. Yeah to your school and you're offering them all this money because you care about university of X. And now this person is not university of X, right? And what the hell are you paying this person for to promote your car wash? Or obviously with booster collectives, it's a whole nother ball game. So there's a lot to navigate here to answer your question though, about the transfer portal. The reality is the kids do have a reason to essentially test it 
every year. Every this year. This is going to add to that reason. And one of the reasons that they can do that is because the NCAA used to have restrictions on how many times you could transfer, and they can't because of another injunction, because of another case that they are losing that happened in December. Again, all of these antitrust cases are stacking up against the NCAA and rendering them powerless. But also it's meaning... It's kind of the wild, wild west out there. I mean, this segment may as well have been called Amber uses a lot of big words. I mean, this segment is James Steele. Our producer is asleep on his microphone. I think he's snoring into the microphone during this segment. I I mean, this has been the best segment of my life. Coming up next on ESPN radio. They're going to make me get off the lawyer stuff. We're going to put more of the top NFL free agents in the perfect landing spots next. I mean, that sounds far more boring than talking about Lonnie, but fine. We'll do it here on ESPN radio. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Earlier in the show, we unpacked where some of the biggest free agents in the NFL are going to end up this next season. If you miss any of that, check out the podcast on the ESPN app. Zaslow filling in tonight for Ian here on Amber and Ian. We've got some more, though, to unpack because there are a lot of names coming up here in free agency in the NFL. So we'll tell you what the best landing spot is for all of these guys. Tune into NBA Action Sunday as the Sixers host the Bucks, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 1230 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. James, take it away. Stuart. All right. I have some bad news for you guys. No Chiefs on this list. Oh. I apologize. Wow. In advance for. Terrible. To I'm Chiefs Kingdom. Can even do a segment without the Chiefs. I'm Very sad. I'm upset. Uh, all right, so let's start with Kirk Cousins, quarterback in the Vikings. Tore his ACL midway through the last season, so he's recovering from that. Amber, the best landing spot for Kirk Cousins. I know a lot of people are saying that Kirk's going to end up elsewhere. Atlanta is a team that I keep seeing getting thrown around for Kirk Cousins. I think the best landing spot and what I expect to happen at this point is Kirk Cousins to stay in Minnesota. It's not necessarily what I thought would happen a few months ago, but I feel like where Kirk Cousins is, and listen, you can argue, Zaslow, that he's one of the best business minds in the entire sport. He was one of the first guys to go about it this way. He was kind of a trendsetter there. That dude has made money hand over fist, and he is not afraid to allow his contract to get to the point of free agency, which normally quarterbacks are very scared about doing that. You're seeing him coming off of an injury, and he's still going to get paid. So obviously these big-name quarterbacks should not be so concerned about any of that, frankly. And Kirk Cousins has recognized that throughout his career has found ways to get paid over and over and over again. He's a very rich man. What I do know about Kirk Cousins is that he really enjoys living in Minnesota, and so do his family. I think he's very comfortable there. That was very obvious to me on that Netflix show, Quarterback. I 
think he might take a little bit less for kind of the now hometown air quotes discount to stay there with the Vikings. I don't think that he actually ends up moving on. The part that I focus on is what you said there about Kirk Cousins being a very good businessman and that he has really gone about this the right way over the last 10 years. And that's why he's not going to remain in Minnesota. The Vikings, they're going through a bit of a transitional period here where even though it's not like they have a better option than Kirk Cousins moving forward, it's time to move on because the rest of the team is just not in a place to do any winning right now, and they're not going to spend that money on Kirk Cousins to continue to be mediocre. Kirk Cousins is going to land in Atlanta. They got weapons offensively. They got a new head coach, which everybody's very excited about, and certainly the owner, Arthur Blank, he is not afraid to spend. Yes, Kirk Cousins is a family man, but that doesn't mean they can't live in Minneapolis for the rest of their lives after his playing career. So Atlanta, that to me is the spot for Kirk Cousins. All right, up next, Mike Evans, wide receiver of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Zaz, perfect landing spot for Mike Evans. Yeah, I do not believe Mike Evans stays in Tampa Bay. I think Mike Evans is going to go to the highest bidder. He is 30 years old, and it would be in his best interest to take advantage of going to the highest bidder in what is likely the final significant contract of his career. I think he's going to go to a team that feels like they're a big offensive weapon away from really making some noise. I think one of those teams has a young quarterback that they would like to get a little bit of help, and I think it's going to be the Indianapolis Colts. I think that's a nice fit for Mike Evans to help out Anthony Richardson. They did a terrific job last year, the first few games with Richardson until he got hurt. They hung around with Gardner Minshew afterward, and I think adding someone like Mike Evans to a young quarterback in Anthony Richardson would go a long way. I think the Colts are going to spend on Mike Evans. I agree here with Zaslow on several fronts. I agree that Mike Evans has to cash in now because this might be his last time to cash in big since he's on the wrong side of 30. I also believe that that means that he's going to end up leaving Tampa Bay because I think Tampa Bay is going to have a lot to take care of. Now, that's not necessarily going to be the best move by the Bucks because Baker needs help there as well, but I could see another team outbidding the Tampa Bay Bucks, and the team that I, I expect that to be is the Carolina Panthers. I could see Mike Evans helping out another young quarterback like Zazla was going down that path, but a different one in Bryce Young. Bryce Young, very clearly needs veteran help in terms of weapons. Mike Evans, you would hope, would help get the most out of Bryce Young. And importantly, he would be following his coach, Dave Canales, who is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. He was the OC in Tampa. It's that familiarity that has me thinking that he would consider going to the Panthers if they could dish out the big bucks. Uh, I think you guys both... uh didn't put Mike Evans on the Chiefs on purpose. Just to... It's not going to the Chiefs. They're not gonna. The Chiefs aren't gonna pay. We're trying to be accurate here, James. We're not playing in fantasy land. Lots of, lots of where there's smoke, there's fire. They're not uh, gonna pay Mike Evans north of twenty mil a year when they wouldn't pay. Maybe he doesn't want twenty mil. Chiefs year. are gonna try to do it with the young guys. All right, uh, Derrick Henry, Titans running back, Zaz, the perfect landing spot for Derrick Henry. He's not gonna stay in Tennessee. They're in a full-on rebuild there. This is the, he's really on his last legs, finally, Derrick Henry. And I don't think it's a situation like Mike Evans where he's going to go to the highest bidder. I don't think the bidding is necessarily going to be that high for Derrick Henry on the free agent market. I think he's going to go somewhere where he thinks he would be a good fit 
also with a chance to win. I think that place is the Houston Texans. That's a pretty good one. Now, that's one of those teams that I keep seeing with these running backs that are becoming available in free agency. I keep seeing the Texans getting thrown around. So people seem very sure that the Texans are going to try to upgrade the backfield and try to get C.J. Stroud some more help. I don't think that they go the Derrick Henry route, frankly. I think Derrick Henry ends up with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, you threw out the Cowboys earlier with Saquon, I believe, right? You had Saquon going to the Cowboys. So I will go that route with Derrick Henry. I had Saquon, by the way, going to the Chargers. I think Derrick Henry, big name back. Jerry Jones likes the big name. We think Tony Pollard's going to end up moving on from Dallas. Derrick Henry can be that help still in the backfield for Dak, a big bruising back, still got something left in the tank. I don't think they're going to have to pay top, top dollar from him by any means. So I think Dallas would be a good fit. All right, let's try to squeeze one more in here and just to – you know, make you guys happy. We'll talk about a dolphin. Uh, Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle for Miami. Amber, perfect landing spot for Christian Wilkins. Obviously, it's the Miami Dolphins. What are we talking about? Christian what Wilkins. What are you talking about, James? Not only is he such a good player, right? So, I mean, we've got to keep him defensively from that perspective. He's also got the best personality on the team. He's fun. Arguably, Zazlo. That dude is fun. Fun is fun. I like fun. Yeah, Christian That's, Wilkins. Probably have He's... to franchise tag him, by the way. I don't even know. I mean, he's going to stay with the Dolphins. The Dolphins, they released Emmanuel Ogba today. They're going to release Xavier Howard. They're clearing up money. Christian Wilkins has become the stalwart of that defensive line. He's not going anywhere. Check yourself, James. He stays with the Dolphins. Amber saying that she likes fun is just not not true, though. I like like fun. fun. Who doesn't like fun? Well, you don't really like fun, James. I like fun. Very specific kind of fun. You kind of like misery. Yeah, that's true. I'm a, I am a miserable person. It's the yinzer in me. I can't. I yeah. can't help it. Yeah, you yeah, kind of prefer misery over fun. I like fun. Christian Wilkins is fun. Got to find a way to keep him in Miami. Coming up next here, we'll look at some of the NBA's most interesting second half storylines. That's next here on ESPN Radio. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. In the second half, of the NBA season, Zaslo, which is really beyond the second half of the NBA season. The final That's third. It's yeah. the final third, but we call it the second half after the All-Star break. It's what we do here. So there are some second half storylines that we've got to get to here. On now, do the players Zazzle. try? Do they start to try now in the final third of the season? We, we so put I, the effort in? 
I've heard yes, unless you're our team, which is the Miami Heat. They don't actually try until the postseason, so there's some of that uh, going on as well in the NBA. But I think most teams, particularly the ones in position to really win championships this season, are trying here throughout the second half. I like when they try. LeBron James is even playing tonight. He has decided to show up and start playing basketball. He took a break before the All-Star break, and then, of course, took a break during the All-Star break, and then he took a break after the All-Star break. But yeah. He's finally back out. He there, bookended his vacation with resting. Yes, with resting. He loves to rest, apparently, uh, right now. So, anyways, we are back to it in the NBA. Let's get to some of the bigger storylines circulating the NBA right now. Zaslow's filling in for Ian here on Amber and Ian, presented by Progressive. Draymond Green, he has a podcast. Zaslow, if you're familiar, it's called, it called the Draymond Green Show. Everybody has a podcast these days. Jonathan Zaslow has a podcast. I do. It's called the Zaslow Show 2.0. It's available wherever podcasts are available. The Draymond Green Show, not nearly as good as the Zaslow 2.0. Wow, show. thank you. The Draymond Green Show, though, also a podcast. He decided to discuss how J.J. Redick had gone after Doc Rivers, his former coach, saying that there is a lack of taking any semblance of responsibility over and over again. Here is Draymond Green's opinion on the matter. Every interview is another excuse. You knew what you was getting yourself into because you were actually brought in to fix those very things. I totally understand where J.J. was coming from. Pat Bev understood where J.J. was coming from. And Austin Rivers understood where J.J. was coming from. And the reason you know they understood where J.J. was coming from is because they never said anything about what J.J. said. What they did was attack J.J.'s playing career and say, Doc saved your career. J.J. might not like Doc. I did get that a little bit, but more importantly, I heard what J.J was saying and what he was saying was very accurate we cannot have the excuses doc every press conference it cannot be a different excuse nobody disputed the things that jj said they almost were disputing how it came off i think it's a lot of truth to what draymond just said there yeah i don't always agree with draymond green's aslo i tend to agree with him here I think there's a lot of truth to that. Certainly the response from Pat Beverly to J.J. Redick being critical of Doc Rivers, which, by the way, J.J. Redick, I really take what he said at total face value because you would figure this is someone who would not have a bone to pick necessarily with Doc Rivers because Pat Beverly was right where he had his best years under Doc Rivers with the LA Clippers. That is true. So if J.J. Redick had, and and J.J. Redick for the first time in his career became a starter when he went to the Clippers. He was a bench player in Orlando. He was not a starter. He became a starter for the first time when he went to the Clippers and Doc Rivers put him in the starting lineup. So to me, if that same player is then going to be this openly critical of Doc Rivers, that would mean to me that, you know what, that there must be a lot of truth to what J.J. Redick is saying there because you would think it'd be the opposite where he would have nothing but praise for his former coach. But he's actually being super critical. So I really take what J.J. is saying there at face value. But yeah, Pat Beverly only sp- – he didn't defend Doc Rivers. He just said, hey – you're out of pocket here because Doc Rivers was good to you. And the same thing with Austin Rivers where Austin started out saying how I don't need to stick up for my dad. He's a grown man. But then in the end, he clearly was doing a lot of sticking up for his old man, even though he's a grown-up. So I, it is interesting hearing it now from Draymond because, by the way, Amber, 
I know you know this, but something I've been saying for years down here in Miami, part of it because I don't love Doc from his days as head coach of the Boston Celtics. I mean, the Heat, the Celtics, get out of here, all right? But I've been saying for years. Get out of here, all right? But I've been saying for years that Doc Rivers has never met an excuse he doesn't like. And now you hear Draymond saying the same thing. It really seems to be the talk of the league, Amber, how Doc Rivers is this is this nonstop excuse maker. He's got a reason for every single one of his teams not reaching the point that we all thought they would. And it's even gone to the place, Amber, where the most recent audio bite of Doc Rivers, it was from Sirius XM NBA Radio a few days ago, where he even blamed the Bucks front office for hiring him. Hiring him. For hiring him. <laughs> I told them not to. Told them not to bring me in before the All-Star. This is a terrible <laughs> decision, giving me all this money. Why are you doing this? That's an amazing move. I want to pull that move. Oh, I didn't I didn't ask ESPN to give me a show. It was their decision if the show doesn't go well. <laughs> I love that. That's an amazing move there by Doc Rivers. I think that the excuse making, and you have been saying it for years and years when we have been talking about Doc Rivers on the air on local down in Miami, he is certainly a coach who has always come up with the excuses. And it's excuse after excuse after all of these three-game leads, right? And, and, and it, you know, more blown leads than anybody else in, in NBA yeah. history on that stage. And you hear it over and over again. And he's done it also with superstar after superstar after superstar. I mean, he coaches all of these superstars, these megastars, these future Hall of Famers, and then he doesn't actually do the real winning except for the one time he did. And, you know, all these years later, we're still living off of that one ring. And don't you forget about it because that 2008 Celtic team, they'll tell you about it if you forget about it. And I think, yeah, no kidding. Uh, And I think that JJ is approaching this as an analyst, also, I don't know if it matters what their relationship was. Well, JJ, JJ was Reddick also was pretty riled. He was pretty riled up over it too. Like he, he seemed was. To be so I'm, I'm ready to tell the world. Right. I'm guessing maybe uh, Doc Rivers wasn't the favorite coach that he ever had. Yeah. But at the same time, like JJ now, JJ Reddick is paid to discuss these things. He is paid to also listen to the current bites that we can all hear during his tenureship here in Milwaukee, where it is excuse after excuse after excuse when it's a three and seven start before the all-star break. And when you replaced a coach that had the lopsided winning record that Adrian Griffin had, and then you're supposed to come in and you're supposed to be able to try to fix the defense. And the reality is it might not be Doc's fault because I don't know if they have the pieces to fix the defense. It is fair to have some criticism there of the front office. You did trade away Drew Holiday. Damian Lillard is not known to be able to play defense. Everybody was able to look at the starting lineup When the trade went down and said, where is the defense going to come from? There is real criticism there. But Doc decides to take that job. He decides to take that job in a way that everybody's expecting them, him to be able to actually turn things around with all of his coaching expertise. And it's not happening. And instead, he's pointing fingers everywhere else in every which way. Well, and and let's, let's also be fair here, all right? It's not like Doc Rivers took over a team that was in shambles. I understand they didn't like what was going on with Adrian Griffin. Maybe Giannis didn't like it. I don't know. But they were 30 and 13. He didn't take over a team that was at the bottom. He didn't take over a team that was in shambles. They were 30 and 13. And since he's gotten there, they have a win percentage of 300. If you're not aware, that's not good enough. That's not good. 
Uh, that's not good enough. And so I think we're going to continue to hear the excuse making. I'll take Austin Rivers out of it because, I mean, I, I don't blame Austin Rivers for defending his father in any way, frankly. I get it there. But, yes, I think that the way that some of these others are approaching it and what you just heard there from Draymond, it's interesting. We also live in a world where these players now, current players and former players, are very empowered with the microphones and feel like they can truly say what's on their mind about some of these people who are involved in the sport. So it's a little refreshing in that way. There are other things happening, though, in the world of the NBA. Before I get to that, I want to remind you to tune into college basketball action tomorrow. We've got some college hoops headed your way too. Arizona hosts Washington presented by Robin Hood. Coverage begins at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. So Giannis Antetokounmpo, Zaslow, speaking of the Milwaukee Bucks, he sat down for an interview with Malika Andrews. And this was interesting to me because we were talking about who has the most pressure on them, who is championship or bust in the NBA. We spent a lot of or the early part of our show talking about about that. If you missed anything, check out the podcast on the ESPN app. The Bucks kept coming up over and over again. And the idea, hey, they do already have a championship, but now it feels like there's a lot of pressure to win another one with this iteration of the Bucks. Giannis told Malika that he feels even more pressure after getting a ring. Here's Giannis. One of my mentors that I talked with, he said this, he said, like, you think that there's not going to be pressure now. I'm like, what do you mean? There's no pressure. I don't want a championship. Like, I'm good. That's all I had to do. What if I told you there was more pressure? Like, now I have to. My body, my mind, everything about me is like, no, I want that feeling again. Like, I want to do it again. People expect me to do it. I expect this from me. And your mind just figured out ways to kind of set another goal and another goal and another goal. You know, will I be happy to win another one for Milwaukee? Damn, yeah. What? To be able to win two the right way? Man, yeah. I mean, Amber, to me, though, that doesn't sound like he's describing pressure. That sounds to me like he's describing an addiction, you know, an, an addiction to winning, an addiction to that feeling. Because uh, I, I don't think there's that kind of pressure because he won one already and now there's pressure to win more. That sounds like he's chasing that feeling again. Right. And I don't blame him for wanting to chase that feeling. And he's a player that we all look at as somebody who frankly should be able to win multiple championships. As hard as it is, we have that expectation for players that great. We specifically have that expectation this season because when you've made the moves that they have made, you're doing it to try to capitalize on another championship right away. I just thought it was interesting, though, that that's what ends up happening because you get so much talk around these guys. Can they even win a ring? And then you win a ring and it's like, all right, well, when are you going to win the next one? And they start feeling that themselves as well, that need to win more. Kevin Durant, he had an altercation with a fan that went viral, Zaslow. What did you make of that whole thing? By the way, KD, it's not surprising that, and this wasn't Kevin Durant's fault. It's kind of not surprising, though, that it's KD finding himself with the interactions with a fan. Well, he's got the rabbit ears. You know, he's he's going to hear anybody says anything about him. But I think his fans are, I think his fans are trash. You know, I, I... and and I do think that the NBA player is very soft when it comes to stuff like this. I hate the NBA player who thinks that, like, I don't know why the NBA player has the authority to be able to grab the referee and say, throw these people out of a game. I don't like that at all. I so, don't either. And, but, uh, but Kevin Durant here, I cannot defend the fans here. I think these fans are trash. They yelled, uh, you know, I guess uh, rhymes with B-word. witch. You know, when, when Kevin Durant was running onto the floor, he's got the rabbit ears, so he made a beeline right toward them. And then you got this woman who wants to shake his hand now. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm so embarrassed for these people. And I really shouldn't be because 
they're clearly not embarrassed or ashamed with their own behavior. So why should I feel that way? I just... I'm all for yelling at the opposing team. I'm all for yelling, you suck. Or, or even in Kevin Durant's case, you know, you're going to yell he's a coward because he went and he played for the Warriors. Hey, man, comes with the territory. But yelling stuff like, you know, what, what they're being accused of yelling. And then to try and make it, ah, I was just playing here. You know, give me a high five. Let's take a selfie. It, these fans are trash. I, I mean, I just, you can't defend it. And good on Kevin Durant, by the way, for when the security guard asked him, do you want me to throw these people out? He said no. Good on him. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I don't understand why that should be up to the players if all the fans have done is say something. I think that that is ridiculous that we're allowing the players to have that level of power. Uh, I, I mean, God forbid you call an NBA player though that word. I mean, it's that particular word. We know how LeBron feels about that word. It's that particular word. i got to be honest. As a woman, I roll my eyes a little bit at that. Uh, really? You guys can't handle that word? Uh, try walking in our shoes. You'll hear it about a billion times in your lifetime. By the way, the sun are losing right now to the Rockets, 82-70 to right now in the third quarter. Yeah. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, with Zazla filling in for Ian, a totally original segment that James claims to have come up with all by himself, even though Jonathan Zaslow has been doing it on local radio in Miami for True decades. Story. That is That is next here on ESPN Radio. The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. 25 Saturday nights, 50 matches, all season long on ION. Alan Frenta Williams slips through. Here's a shot, and it's in! This is a game changer for sports. Sabina takes a shot herself. Hammers it home! See the full schedule and find where to watch at IONNWSL.com. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Jonathan Zaslow is in for Ian Fitzsimmons. We absolutely have to find out what's a big deal and what's not a big deal. I mean, otherwise, how would you know? How you'd would you know? Around and you'd be thinking, well, I, I, what's a big deal? I don't know what's a big deal. Be muttering it under my breath. Is this a big deal? Is this not a big deal? I don't know. Right. So we've got to tell the people. Let's get to it. It's making headlines. Extra, extra. Read all about it. But is it a big deal or not a big deal with Amber and Ian? our producer james Steele. hello james yeah uh i love this segment that i came up with all by myself called big deal not a big deal uh let's start first with uh alan iverson who was on the big podcast with Shaq, and they got to talking about you know how they would fare in today's nba and this is how the that conversation went you played an era where we were allowed to touch people up and checking up the court Somebody asked me this other day, so I'm going to ask you. What would you average in the game today? That's Ain't that too much? Yeah, that's okay. Okay, if if I averaged 30, I lost the scoring title to Kobe the year he averaged 35. I averaged 33. I'm just thinking, like, if I was to play in this area where it's wide open, if I can average 33 in a season, I'm going to just take it up to 43. I know 10 points more. I agree with that. Got to be. 
So not fo- not 44 or 45 or even just 40. 43 points exactly. You don't want to be greedy. Zaz, big deal, not a big deal. Then Allen Iverson thinks he could average 43 in today's NBA where I guess the players aren't nearly as good as the ones that he played against. I'm going not a big deal. And I think it's because – and I loved Allen Iverson, all right? But <laughs> I, I, I think in today's NBA, the way that we use analytics – I don't think Iverson would have been as beloved in today's game the oh, way no. he was back then. I think he would have been viewed a little bit as a chucker. Oh, be careful. A little though. bit as a chucker. Careful. And I loved Iverson. I don't think we'd have been as kind to him today. Oh, that's sacrilege what you're doing right now. Uh, I, I don't think that this is a big deal because there's no way to prove it. Uh, also, I don't think it's a big deal when former players talk about today's NBA being easier. It's because of the change in rules. Now, I do think that he has a point where he was playing against a different level of physicality just because of what you were allowed to do back then, and he wasn't the biggest of dudes. So it stands to reason that if you couldn't be quite as physical against him, then maybe he'd be able to put up more shots, and I think that's what he's doing. But I think Zaslow makes an interesting point there that there's other components of the game that you would have to consider. Obviously, he went 43 because he had averaged 33. I mean, AI is AI. Let's just... Everybody well, because 44 is a little too much, okay? A little too much. 44 would be a little too much. 42, undercutting it a bit. 43 is the way to go. How about everybody just play in the era that they play in? How about that? Right. He was amazing. He impacted an entire generation. He quite literally inspired all of us when we were kids growing up. Like, just just stay there, man. All right. Good. So what you're saying, AI, maybe not the most efficient scorer that there ever was. Is what I think you guys was might implying be that, but yeah. I don't want to go down that road. I love that. Because he's a legend. All right. Here's uh, here's something that happened that just happened not too long ago. Hagan Smith, Arkansas pitcher, uh, pitched six scoreless innings and set a school record with 17 strikeouts against Oregon State. Amber, big deal, not a big deal. Should I be a jerk and say not a big deal? I dare you. <laughs> yeah, I dare you to say it. You know what? It's not a big deal because... The single Come game on. strikeout record in the NCAA, from what I understand, is 26. A there 26 you go. strikeout game. This is only 17. Yeah. I mean, how Only on. 17? <laughs> Obviously, You're- it's a big deal. It's a school record. It's a big deal. Shout out to Hagan. I'm going big deal. That's a lot of Ks. That's a lot of swings and misses. That's a big deal, James. Yeah, good for good for that guy. Uh, <laughs> don't don't say I've never, uh, I've never done anything for you guys here. Let's work some dolphins into well, the let's mix. let's see. Right. See, uh, Tyreek Hill took to Twitter uh, earlier this week or in the weekend uh, to express support for not only Jalen Waddle, who I guess was the subject of uh, uh, Tannenbaum's trying to trade Mike him. Tannenbaum, yeah, trade. He, he was wanted that a the Tannenbaum thing because I I didn't know who was, a who was this thing. person who was trying. Mr. To trade T's trying to trade him. Wanted once the once the Dolphins to trade Waddle to the Chiefs for Trent McDuffie. Uh, I don't want that. I, I like Jalen Waddle and all, but McDuffie seems to be. But anyway, uh, Tyreek said on Twitter, quote, my boy Waddle is the future. He is better than I was at this point in his career. And for people in this fan base to want to trade him is ludicrous. Him and Tua was special before me and I and will be special after I leave. Oh, after he leaves. Uh Oh, uh, Zaz. <laughs> big deal. Not a big deal. Forever. All of this. All of this that's happening. on. All right, hold on. Week. A fight has broken out in the heat. 
Timberwolves, uh, Timberwolves Heat oh, Pelicans no. game that I'm watching. A fight is broken out. You oh, got no. bodies all over the place pushing and shoving. I'm sorry. It's a little bit chaotic that it's grabbed my attention. Jimmy Butler right in the middle of it. There was a hard oh, foul. Get with, out of there, Jimmy. Get out. There was a hard foul. Kevin Love, Zion Williamson, he kind of played it up a bit, and he fell to the ground. I mean, Zion's so much bigger than Kevin Love. You gotta, give me a break, you know? <laughs> and now, now they're fighting again. Zion now Nikola Jovic, the fight has started again. Now they're, they were separated, and now they're fighting again. Nikola Jovic just came off the bench. It's a, it is a it's melee. A melee. It is a, a melee. melee. I knew you were going to say that. Is there bad blood between uh, the Heat and I, Pelicans? I mean, not, it, it not, is. There is now. I don't know if any. I mean, I don't know if any punches were thrown, but this is an ugly scene going on right now. Punches thrown. It's the NBA. Everyone fake fights in the NBA. A bunch of fakers. That's a big deal. What I'm watching. This is a big deal. The heater up on the Pelicans. These Pelicans. You want to fight somebody? You fight me right now. I don't think they they want to fight you. Although Zion Williamson's going down uh, in a like in a heap from Kevin Love, then then you've got a shot there, Zaslow. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.